Have you ever felt frustrated because you just couldn't find a lovely book to read? I can start to crave not just a good book, but a book that draws me in and evokes such a deep emotion that I can say, wow, that was a lovely book. Welcome friends. This is Emmy B on Lovely Books Podcast, where it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. If you're new to Lovely Books, this podcast is more than just a best books podcast. It's about the reader's experience and takeaway. No book reviews, no analysis of literary content, just thoughts and personal anecdotes brought to our minds by the characters and subject matter that we love. That's what brings the book to life for you. I hope we give you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. Okay, I'm here with Whitney Flygar, and I love Whitney. She's one of my, you know, old faves. Oh, I just love you too, Em. I love when we have these book chats. I know, it's great. So we're going to talk about a book that we both read a long time ago. And oh, it wasn't that long ago. But I think we read it when it first came out, right? Yeah, which I think was only like two years ago, right? Hold on. Yeah, 2019. Okay, so not that long ago. Not that long ago. Not too long ago. I mean, before COVID. So that was like a lifetime ago. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so it was a different lifetime ago, but not too long ago. Uh, totally a lifetime ago. Okay, well, we're going to talk about a book we both absolutely love, The Silent Patient by Alex Michaelides. And we are going to start, for any listeners who have not read this book yet. First of all, I can't believe it if you haven't read it. So let's learn just a little bit about Alex Michaelides. Uh, Michaelides was born in Cyprus to a Greek father and an English meaning British mother. He studied English literature at Trinity College, um, Cambridge University, and received an MA in screenwriting at the American Film Institute in Los Angeles. He studied psychotherapy for three years and worked for two years at a secure unit for young adults, and this provided material and inspiration for his debut novel, The Silent Patient. Now, The Silent Patient actually broke a lot of records for debut novels. It was sold in 2019 in 49 different countries. Um, It was a Sunday Times top 10 bestseller for seven weeks. It was the number two most sold book on Amazon in fiction in 2019, and it was named as their number one thriller also in 2019. Um, The second book of Alex Michaelides, his second novel, The Maidens, was published just this year. So on the 10th of June um, of 2021, and then in the United States on the 15th of June 2021. So, I mean, his debut novel, for being a debut novel, this was just like a raging, raging success. So I'm super excited to talk about it. And it does actually look like Brad Pitt's production company, Plan B, is developing The Silent Patient as a film. So that'll be really cool when that comes out. Um, but when he's going to give us a brief synopsis, and then we're just going to dive right in. I think the hardest thing about talking about this book is talking about it without giving any spoilers. I know. Definitely. Because it was such a twisty-turvy book, and there's especially, like, one twist in it where it just turns everything upside down. And I hate to say that because sometimes... When people say there's a big twist, it kind of ruins a twist for me because mm-hmm. I'll build it up in my mind. And then when, and then when you get to that point and you read it, then it's not as big as you thought it was going to be. So you're yeah. a little let down by that. This book did not. 
Yeah, I agree. It absolutely will not let you down. I think I was sitting on this very couch and out loud, I was like, what? (laughs) Wait a minute. And I had to go back a couple pages to reread to find out if, like, just to make sure that what I thought just happened really happened. And we can't talk about any of that because we're going to save it. We got to totally spoil it. Oh my goodness. Okay. All I can say, this should probably be like my ending point of talking about this book, but I'm going to say it now. If you have not read it, just go read it immediately. It's so good. Yeah. I remember it came in the mail and I was like, oh, I'm just going to read, just going to read a page or two, you know, and just a little bit before I go to bed. And then three hours later, Stephen was like, are you ever coming to bed? I'm like, yeah, maybe not, because I think I just might have to finish this book tonight. Well, and one thing that I love about this, and I probably should have had you introduce yourself again, even though you've been on the podcast before, but Whitney, will you tell listeners what you do for a living? Okay, so I am an associate instructor of psychology at the University of Utah, and um, the classes that I teach, I teach general psychology, I teach stress management, and I teach abnormal child psychology. Um, this That's relevant for this book because... It's so relevant. It's a lot, a lot of mental health. So talking about a synopsis, this book follows Alicia um, and her story through when she shoots her husband and then stops talking and is then sent to, um, essentially like, um, instead of going to prison, she goes to a mental institution in the UK where she lives, where the story takes place. And for five years, hasn't spoken a word. Her, the other person who falls in this book is Theo. He was, um, a forensic psychotherapist who is very interested in her case for reasons that you will find out later on. And um, he takes a job at the Grove, which is the institution that she's at, and is put in charge of her at his request and starts meeting with her daily and, you know, trying to get this story out of her um, and, and find ways to help her question mark help help (laughs) Uh uh-huh so and the story starts out i just want to read the first line of the book so chapter one alicia branson was 33 years old when she killed her husband and then it goes on to talk about how you know she was an artist he was a photographer um they had this beautiful idyllic really like posh modern you know beautiful lifestyle they seem to be just terribly in love with each other and then one day he comes home and she shoots him and because they were both like well-known artists in their community there's a lot about it in in the news and everywhere and everyone's really just interested in like why Mm -hmm. why in the world yeah. Would she do this? Well, and not only do that, but then immediately stop speaking after. She doesn't defend herself at her own trial. Um, friends, family, people who have known her, she does not say a word. Not a word. It's interesting, following this story, one thing I love about this story, it's it's kind of a sad realization, but like she looks so just happy and has this beautiful, perfect life on the outside. But then as the story is told through flashbacks throughout her life, 
you realize that there, she has a, a long and deep history of being marginalized, being invalidated, being, um, overlooked and largely ignored even by the important people in her life that she seemed in so many ways in her own life to be more of more like a decoration or some kind of ornament or like a token in her own life rather than, you know, this, this human being who's worthy of respect and attention and Mm -hmm. have, you know, just having someone to listen to her and who, you know, pay attention to who she is and her own self-expression. Which is ironic because she's an artist, obviously. Like, she's putting so much of that out there. Yeah. But there's no one there to really receive it. Mm -hmm. So when I got to the point where, uh, well, at some point, I looked back in this book and I was like, well, yeah, no wonder she shut up. He was listening. No one was listening. I love that. And I love, too, um, the idea that we see an event that maybe should have taken place in the middle of the book, which is the murder of her husband. We see that at the beginning and then we get to hear her story. And the more we learn about her and the more we learn about her story, the more things begin to make sense. And I think that's like a common life experience that we have as we see people's actions and we see the things that people do um, that seem shocking and crazy. And I can't believe that happened, but when we take the time to hear people's stories and listen to their backstories and find out more about them, then there's a, there's a lot more to every single person's decisions, but not all of them get to be in a thriller. (laughs) Speaking of it being a thriller, I loved kind of the structure that this plot took too, because Mm -hmm. yeah, you find out the beginning about the murder. So you're, I mean, I was hooked from the very beginning where, I'm like, well, why did she kill her husband? And then, you know, you get the deep dive story of yeah. everything that's gone on. And then there's this super crazy twist in the middle where you just find out something that, I mean, I think this was probably the most shocked I've ever been by a plot twist. And then it's not, it's not that the action ends there. Mm-hmm. So it continues to have another crazy side of it after that happens in in the present time so it goes from having a lot of action at the front and then unpacking how you got to all of that action to this plot twist that sets off another set of action and maybe there's more than one murder in this book so but we won't say any more about that but we won't say any more about that i will say this book so me and whitney are in the same book club and i love fact checking psychology in books with Whitney (laughs) because there can be a lot of psychology in thrillers, um, especially a psychological thriller. And it's, it's always, it's so interesting because this book has a therapist in it to see how he treats her and, um, the links that he goes to, to try and quote unquote, help her and the methods that he uses. And so it was interesting to talk, about, um, this with Whitney and see sort of like where the boundaries were. Um, do you remember when we talked about this at book club? Yes. And you know, is there were certain things that he did as a psychoanalyst, like visiting her family and talking to other people about her, where even though they made like a super kind of creepy, cool part of the book, um, of him, you know, crossing boundaries and what appeared to be an attempt to heal her, it's something that a psychologist couldn't do, right? 
I mean, it's not that he couldn't do those things. Well, no. Okay. In his situation with her, he squarely couldn't. Talking to family members is something that is done often and is helpful, mm-hmm. but it has to be done within the bounds of consent and the person yeah. knowing that you're going to do this and what's the reason behind you doing these things. Yeah. Would my I- psychologist couldn't like, if I'm seeing somebody and I'm talking to them about my husband without my consent, my therapist couldn't call my husband and be like, Hey, listen to all this stuff that your wife said about you. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Absolutely not. (laughs) That is like a very clear violation of just about every ethical standard there is. So there's a lot of patient, you know, of there's a lot of client therapist privilege where you, you don't talk about these things and there are some exceptions. So if, um, if someone else's life is in danger or if their life is in danger, then there are ways that you can move around those privacy laws um, in order to protect someone's life. But none of those came into play <laughs> in this book. And the, the interesting thing about this, too, is that and as you read on, you learn more about Theo and his own psychological issues and where he ended up to be where he is. But in his treatment of Alicia, it becomes pretty clear almost at the beginning that his treatment for her isn't so much about her and her getting better as it is about him. Mm-hmm. And so that's that was something that I found really interesting because, you know, in a therapeutic situation, you're supposed to be really aware. We And in psychology, you do a lot of work in discovering your own biases and knowing where you fall on different things and where you are emotionally in order to make sure that therapy is about the the person who was there the client and not you Mm -hmm. and um in this theo has just totally become unmoored from that and it is very much about him and very much about this kind of weird obsession that he has with alicia and honestly it just feels like voyeuristic totally (laughs) doesn't it yeah it's like the the apa the american psychological association has this whole like Mm -hmm. big board of ethics that you know ethical standards that everyone practices by and you know this happened in england but their code of ethics is very similar it's like he just ripped it up threw it out the window and was (laughs) had nothing to do with it right right but he does it so insidiously i mean he gets hired at this place he becomes her case manager and everything he does is under the guise of helping her but it's not it's all Mm -hmm. about helping him yes so, but we won't tell you why. Although I have to tell you, I was so shocked by this ending. I gave it to Stephen's grandma. Oh, you did? Yeah, I, I give her most of my books oh, that fun. I like. Yeah, it's it's a fun relationship to have with your spouse's grandma. But um, she was not as shocked about the twist as I was. Really? Yeah, I was like, what did you think about that? And she was like, oh, I saw that coming from so far away. Really? And I was like, well, Ruth, maybe you have more life experience oh than I goodness. do. Because I did not see this. No, I did not see that coming. Yeah. I totally didn't see it coming at all. I was so surprised. Yeah. So surprised. Yeah. My initial thought to why she wasn't speaking was like, this person experienced a trauma. She's like an elective mute. Something happened to me. And I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Is that something that would like actually happen in real life and extend for a number of years? Oh, it totally could. Really? Yeah. I mean, trauma is a really difficult thing to talk about, and it has a lot to do with how our brains process trauma. And when you talk to people who've experienced really significant trauma, 
oftentimes they'll talk around the trauma and things that happened around it, but they have a hard time putting together a cohesive narrative of the trauma. And one of the reasons that is, is that when we experience trauma, our brains are actually shunting resources away from our prefrontal cortex, which is that cohesive decision-making part of our Mm -hmm. brain to the sensory motor cortex, which helps you to fight out or escape a scary, bad situation. Mm -hmm. And so it's a good thing that our brains do this, but it it makes, I mean, and that's a bit of an oversimplification, you know, trauma is is difficult on your brain for multiple reasons, but this is kind of a, kind of an overarching explanation of it. But, um, talking about trauma is really difficult. So was it sound then, even though this is a fictional thriller, was it a sound bit of psychology? Because I did love the psychology in this so much. Like, And he talks a lot about his methods of treatment and why he's treating her in different ways and the different things that he's doing with her. But he gives her this journal to write. Is that something that would, I mean, would make sense in like a non-fictional setting? Yeah, no. One of the big things when we talk about trauma is trying to put a narrative together about it and being able to talk about the trauma mm-hmm. and incorporate it, incorporate it into kind of like our own self narrative. Because oftentimes we have this view of ourselves and then our trauma as something different. But when we can bring the trauma into your story about who you are, mm-hmm. how you are, and having the trauma be part of your story and not your overarching theme of your story becomes less of an overarching theme in your story. Right. I know this is like one of your favorite books you've read in the last couple of years, right? Oh my right? gosh. Yes. And in fact, I know you always ask for a book recommendation at the end. Uh-huh. I loved this book so much. I'm going to recommend the next one to everyone. Okay. The Maidens. It's his second novel. And I haven't even read it yet, but I have it now. And I am just dying. Like after this podcast, <laughs> I'm going to go start reading The Maidens. You know, Alex Michaelides, I just want to say... You could be a podcast guest on Lovely Books Podcast. <laughs> and me and Whitney would love to talk with you about this. So if, you know, somebody knows him personally, you should definitely throw that out there. Yes. Okay, so when an author comes through with a debut novel like this that just totally slays, I always, like, I'm so thrilled. And I just think, you know, way to just nail it coming out the gates. But then I also worry, too, because I haven't read The Maidens yet either. And I do have it on my bookshelf. But because I loved this one so very much... I've hesitated reading it, um, and I've also avoid really tried to avoid reviews just so that I go into it like with my own perspective, unsullied by what someone else thinks. So here's my thought on that. I loved the Silent Patient so much that if I like the Maidens half as much as I it's like Silent Patient. I'm still going to be thrilled. And I'm far enough removed from the Silent Patient yeah. now since it's been. A whopping two years. And we did read this right when it came out, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was nothing. But um, I think that I'm I'm far enough removed from it that I won't be disappointed if it's not as good as The Silent Patient. But I'm still just so excited to read it. Yay! Um, So because it's a, a book that you love so much, can you articulate like what about this book compared because you read so much what about this book what aspect of this book really drove it home for you to be a book that you keep recommending that you keep loving that you keep going back to as like a really beloved book of yours 
Besides the fact that it was like a super page turner thriller, that oh, it was so page turny. <laughs> for, for everyone who likes anything kind of like true crime, it's you know everyone's favorite. Like guilty pleasure is a really good whodunit murder mystery. Totally. So there's that. But on top of that, I felt like I empathized with Alicia so much because she's such a she's such a real human flawed character mm-hmm. who has really suffered from people holding her up on a pedestal and thinking like, oh, your life is so perfect. Oh, it's so glamorous. Oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, you have everything. And how damaging that has been to her. Mm-hmm. And so I I loved it just the raw humanity from her. And I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, but she desperately and truly loved her husband yeah and she killed him yeah and watching her get to that point and understanding that i mean when you find out what happened that night and how it all unfolded i had nothing but sympathy for her and it all made sense yeah that well and that's another thing that i love so much about this is that you get the page turner you get you get exceptional character development for a thriller. Am I right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like exceptional character development. I think that's the great thing about this is that, like, yes, it's that quick, like, I don't want to say trashy true crime, but yeah, like, but yeah, but everything we but all love about a trashy true crime, right? Famous people behaving badly, nobody knows why. <laughs> <laughs> They seem to have it all, but there's a dark secret. Yeah, everybody's dirty laundry. I know. Yeah, like the every. That's reason, what we love. Total. Everyone loves that. Everyone okay. loves that. The whole reason that People Magazine has a true crime section. I loved this book for all of those reasons. Yeah, totally. but on top of that, it's also like a very thoughtful, well thought out, beautifully written like you said, exceptional character development book. So I feel like it was kind of the best of both worlds where it's just this like page turner thriller with an actual like incredible literary worth to it. I would recommend this book to anyone. Yay. This is a great book. If you have read this book, please feel free to send us your thoughts and comments. Don't tell us about the maidens yet though. Not yet. <laughs> Give us a week. We'll both read Give us a week it, and then to we can talk it. about it. And then we can talk about it again. So thanks so much, Whitney. Oh, thank you, Em. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Lovely Books Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please remember to comment, like, subscribe, leave a review, leave a rating. Go on our Instagram page and let us know what kind of books you want to hear more about. I hope you have a fantastic week and we'll join you again next week when we highlight another lovely book.